Hello, my name is Peter Cinnamon, and you just happen to be listening to a podcast which is all about the Irish League. And if you ever wondered how much Irish League it is possible to cram into one episode, then today might be the day where we finally test those limits. Because the past week, we saw six absolutely cracking games across the league, all of them with significant ramifications moving forward. This title race continues to burn hot. We now have a skirmish for those European playoff places in 6th and 7th. Add in some transfers that finally happened, transfers that are rumoured to be happening. We've got some semi-finals for the League Cup on the way. We even had a statement from the board of a club to add into the mix. Means it's going to be one bumper episode of your weekly edition of Kick and Match. Yes, it is absolutely Baltic this week, but don't worry because I am here with your warming blanket of Irish League chat to help get you through. And if that wasn't enough, I brought in some nostalgia, familiar Irish League podcasting voice. Joining me this week, it is former Fly Netter. Hello and welcome back. Good tidings, Mark McGuigan. Good tidings, Peter. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. I hope people can hear a, a clear voice, a somewhat unblocked sinus. I'm just saying, mm, the power of medical technology and lots of water has got your boy back on his feet, back in the podcasting chair, and I've got energy and I have thoughts and I have opinions in fact there's so much things to get into Mark I don't want to put you on the spot but like I usually don't do this but I'm gonna do it this week where are we starting because there's like about six different leads to this podcast this week yeah six different games and six different leads is very good that isn't very handy we'll start we'll go in chronological order is what we're going to go in I'd I'd like to start at the CV Friday night's game please Last time I was on this podcast, we were looking ahead to two big games for a very sorry Crusaders. They had to host both Linfield and Lorne. And after those two games, they come out of it with zero goals scored, about as many points as that bagged. And uh, North Belfast on the Shore Road is a bit more of a darker place than it was even just seven days ago. The Linfield game... That'll come and go, but the decisions that were made by the referee on Friday night where Lauren came to town wearing their rather spiffing Glenavon kit, it didn't go down well for many that uh, loved to parade the red and black, mainly Stephen Baxter. He was fuming. 2-0 it ends, massively thanks to a brilliant performance from Levi Ives. He sets up two great goals even if one of them the set piece but we have to start with what enraged Stephen Baxter the Crusaders manager were those two incidents penalties the first one comes from Cain Bolger taken out pretty much lecky as he runs towards the ball from a throw in I'm gonna be upfront about this I think that was nailed on and it wasn't given I can't just I just can't believe what Stephen Gregg hasn't seen i don't know what he has seen i don't know what he hasn't seen but for me sitting watching at home is a penalty for everybody in the ground even i would say the Lauren fans they thought that that was a penalty he's just gone through the back of him it's so blatant so very obvious and i'm not quite sure how mr greg did miss it to be quite honest bolger's big strong strapping lad and he's showing his physicality somebody's going to say that i know He's just being physical and, you know, all the game's gone. You can't tackle anybody anymore. You could never tackle anybody like that. 
in my opinion. He can't go straight through the back of somebody in the box and expect it not to be a penalty. Anywhere else in the pitch, it's a foul. And I, you've said that, line, I'm sure, a hundred times, but definite penalty for me. You use that as an example of anywhere else in the pitch. Something that I disagree with Stephen Baxter on in his comments after the game was that he thought the free kick that eventually led to Lauren's opening goal wasn't a free kick. It was a free kick. Lee Bonus does get bundled over. Now, is it the most outrageous tackle in the world? No, but I would say that's a foul. And if that's a foul, then clearly what happened a couple of minutes earlier should have been in the penalty box. Bulger comes in, he, he sees Lecky coming from behind him and he steps in front of him and, and he takes him out, in my view, with between his arm and his leg. That's missed. And then later on in that half, it's Ross Clark who is able to have the ball in front of him in the box with his back kind of towards goal. He's, he's going away from goal into the corner and then he is brought down by Levi Ives. Not as... As absolutely nailed on, I can see why you think it is a penalty. It, it feels like Ross Clark comes down a bit easy. But then again, I'm not a professional player. I'm not someone that has to deal with the balance and the speed of that game. I can understand a little nudge. And there is a little tiny nudge that would take you away. Two in a row and you're losing at that point in the game. You are tearing your hair out. Crusaders are just looking for a little bit of luck, a little bit of something to turn their season around. And they just were getting none of it on Friday evening. It's just, it was one of those games where 2-0 absolutely flattered Lauren. Now, not going to take away from Thompson's goal. I thought Thompson's goal was excellent. Really, really well struck. But Crusaders are just crying out for an out-and-out goal score, in my opinion. You know, they have a striker who's even scoring 10 or 15 goals a season. They get at least one. Then again, if the penalty's given, one of those penalties, as Stephen Baxter thinks, it's a different game. Completely different ball game. Lauren were not at their brilliant best on Friday night and they haven't been sometimes this season much to the disarray of Mr Lynch of course but I also one thing that you do point out there the, the Ross Clark penalty shout yet again he was pushing the back everybody sort of thought that and then the ball is cleared out and Stephen Gray gives a free kick for virtually the same thing on a learned player I think the crews were extremely unlucky not to come away with at least a point in that game based on how they've played their team who they just haven't been able to get their mojo going. You can see, even at the twilight of the career that he's currently in, just the the pure skill and ability that, that Paul Hitley has. I mean, he, he was trying to drag that team almost single-handedly. We've seen some brilliant goals from him this season. And I mean, if it wasn't for just being off target, a great save from Ferguson as well at his near post. I mean, he almost could have got the goals by himself, but he, he cannot do that consistently. He cannot rely on him to provide that magic week in and week out. And I know this is a team that's suffered badly with injuries. They've, they've had some really awkward suspensions there. They're trying to, to fit this all together. I, I, I think at the start of the season, obviously, I back Crusaders to do very well. and I And I thought in many ways that it was a team that had a lot of great pieces and yes they really needed to play to the absolute top of their abilities to get there and and this probably did feel at least the nucleus of the squad this was one real last realistic dice roll and i and i think it's clearly over the season that you know they're they're out of the cup they're not going to even sniff the league it's all about now getting form about getting a run of results together and getting into Europe that that's the aim and and for a team that's that's still flirting with this part-time full-time model that they have there 
you see that there's plenty of key players that will not be here in, in three years and how much do they start to try and, and, and rebuild and you talk about the goal score thing it's it's January and teams are making decisions and I don't think Crusaders are a team that are just overrun with cash who is but do they need to try and steal a march because I keep thinking of last year and Fitzpatrick and about how Crusaders were key players for him they wanted to get him and in the end they just couldn't get that deal across the line and then come the summer he's at a different price range and everybody else is is pushing in and it's a bidding war they were never going to win even if Fitzpatrick did want to go to North Belfast if you're the Crews how much do you hit the reset button or do they just need to keep this team together and and just take it one game at a time and, and try and figure out who they are this season first before they even start thinking about beyond this year I think I agree with you in what you're saying I think this season's already gone this season's too far gone for the Crews they're already 21 points behind the Blues at the top of the league nobody's saying that they were they're going to press on and even challenge for third at the minute because there's three teams so far out in front of everybody else at the moment also being Lauren and Cliftonville respectively but I really really don't know how Stephen Baxter is going to pull this all together Nixon for me was a strange signing I, I, I didn't see it coming but the one thing that I have said when I've been watching the cruise recently is there's so much experience on one side. There's a lot of youth coming through, but it's that middle ground they're really, really struggling on. How many times have we looked at Jordan Owens and Adam Lackey and Paul Heatley um, in this league and we've sort of said and wondered to ourselves how long they've got left in them? We're, you're, you're so right. Like where do, you, where do you even begin to fix the problems at, uh, at Crusaders? They have, of course, been ravaged with injuries as well. That's something that they got even more unfortunate news about with Robinson and Weir in that game on Friday night as well. I think they've been pretty unfortunate with a lot of things, but he definitely does need to have a look and see what he can get in this this transfer window for sure to even salvage a bit in the European playoffs, but also the summer's big for them as well, I think. Massive. And I I still think these players are are doing really well. Like I, I don't think it's any massive disappoint it's obviously a disappointment but it's it's not like it's a complete disaster looking at the squad and saying well they just didn't make it into, into the title race some of these games have not went their way and sometimes a, a six even nine point difference can be a massive swing but that's why it's a big league season you know the it's made of little moments that then are multiplied and you have such bad luck you mentioned those injuries and, and sometimes it's easier to kind of look at some of the future you, you mentioned Stuart Nixon coming in I, I did get that feeling from some fans where it's like I know we're not title contenders but that's an odd thing for us to be bringing a player up from Carrick who's been playing in the PIL uh, recently uh, his introduction to the team I don't know what this says about James Thielen I know he was highly touted coming in at the start of the season and now he, he wasn't in the squad there on, on on Friday night and could we see him away in January even for a temporary move I've heard the likes of Carrick even maybe a return to Newry being being mooted there so the crews are just gonna have to hope that they're getting all their bad luck out of the way and if they can still get a European place fantastic but there is that little thing in the back of my head where I'm imagining that's that probably they probably need Europe to wash their face in many ways for for where they are. I don't know their books, but you can imagine even just to even give it a go in the summer that that might be what they require. But uh, 
again, it's not going to go, it's not going to happen if results like this go your way and then they'll feel dismayed because I thought at times the performance was there, but they, they ran into a Lauren team who were able to take their own chances. I think Levi Ives is one of the best players in the league right now. I think he is so direct from that left back position and uh, the way he was able to spot that run and of course you have to give it up for the pass to see him running across but runs the line brings it back uh, helps get the goal uh, for Miller and it was game set match pretty much there and then uh, Lauren keep doing this even when they're perhaps a bit meek or just sometimes the the balls aren't falling for them and, and they're not getting multiple chances they keep getting results. They've got that mentality that it takes a lot to get. And to be honest, there's teams that, you know, you can have the best players in the league, you can have a top striker, but it, it's all about those games where you fight and you win a game like that on Friday night. And that's that's why they're in a title race. I'm not 100% sure whether two years ago, uh, two or three years ago, they maybe had that in them. But after last year, I think that they've, they've shown everybody, um, of course, by winning the league last year, that they have the ability to, you know, grapple on the games and grab them by the throat and say, we're going up the road with three points here. Even at such a tight wee ground like Seaview, that is totally set up to suit the crews and why wouldn't it be, of course? But I totally envy their ability to just grapple on the games and um, take three points wherever they want, really. They just have so much quality in almost every position and you see them being able to bring on Mark Randall, Paul O'Neill on, pretty much the nailed on starter for any other team in the league. Dylan Sloan is coming back into the team after his bright start to the season was curtailed by injury. And look who else is coming up the road. Chris Gallagher has now officially signed from the Reds. I've been seeing lots of people tweet out this huge, massive list of players that have signed from Cliftonville going to Lorne since the start of the Kenny Bruce era. You can see where he fits into this team, into that midfield, and uh, he will be a great addition there for them. I'm very jealous of that soon. I think he's a good player. How many players have left Cliftonville and gone on to learn and um, really achieved a lot? Fair play to him because he has been one of the best players in the league over the past couple of years. He's consistently one of Cliftonville's best players, and I, I'm sure they're going to miss him so much. But have to say, Lauren have got themselves a really, really good player. It's the same sort of thing that Lauren were able to do last season and being able to pry him to come up with Denver and play. It's the exact same thing that's happened again here. One of um, Cliftonville's top performers has now been, yeah, again, up the road to Lauren. So I think that Lauren fans are going to have a very, very nice uh, midfield to be watching for the rest of the it's season. It's the one area of the team where I thought, you know what, if you can bring in someone that's established and has quality in this, this league, it, it is an area where someone can fit in and, and they could do with it yes they have Sloan and and they have uh outside of of Miller and of Thompson who's made that other uh, space the team his own I think Chris Gallagher has the ability to drive with the ball he's able to pass he's able to tackle he is pretty much your great all-rounder and he's been a winner with Cliftonville uh, for a couple of seasons now. So I'm sure he'll enjoy his step up to full-time football. And uh, it's one of those things where it also adds to your team. Of course, makes your opposition weaker. Uh, going in the other direction uh, alongside uh, a bit of cash, I can see reported, is uh, Shea Gordon. Um, he's a player who has, who has talent, he has ability, and he has a bit of potential. How will he fit? Will he be able to 
go straight into that Diffenville team? We'll have to see, but it's one of those things where it probably suits Lauren to move a player on like that if it brings in someone who they feel is going to be an upgrade. Just talking about all the players who have moved over, of course, Levi Ives is the main one he did last summer, but, you know, Tomas Cosgrove, uh, Paul O'Neill, uh, Aaron Donnelly, Daniel Kearns. Before that, we saw uh, likes of McDade as well go there, as well as marty donnelly as well so i mean just there's only so many teams at the, at the top of the league where you kind of can move about but that's that's definitely been one where there's been uh, a lot of uh synchronicity they're in sync there but great win for lauren they'll take it they'll keep going on let's go to the team that uh, is not going to be without chris gallagher johnny addis establishing himself as modern legend for cliftonville games like this i mean you could feel it as the minutes ticked on down at Newry. Barry Gray, first game in the Newry hot seat. It's his old team coming in the town. Newry haven't won there at the showgrounds in well over a year. Then when in the league for all of 2023. And even a draw was going to be a huge result. They were down to 10 men. Johnny Alice is the fox in the box. Late on after scoring an absolute worldie from far out earlier on in the game to pull it back to 1-1 and if somehow the title is going to have the red and white ribbons of Cliftonville at the end of the season this will be one of those pivotal games getting out of jail is an understatement I think Mark oh, 100% I was in lock goal obviously on Saturday and we were sort of rubbing our hands at the fact that oh, you know Cliftonville dropped a couple of points, happy days, that gets them off her tails. Then I got into the car and uh, Johnny Alice stuck one in <laughs> for the second time of the afternoon. Yeah, he'll be getting a statue built up outside Solitude, I would say. An absolute hero to him, 100%. He is well, well loved up in North Belfast. And I think back to a couple of years ago, you're saying how how important that game um, and that win could be. I remember a certain uh, Chris Casement goal last minute up there for the Blues to, you know, send us on away to another another league title but you know it's it's games like that I've, I said it about Lauren um, it's games like that where you, you somehow scrape a win that keeps you alive in a title race and keeps you totally believing in what could happen come the last weekend in April you just never know what those three points could mean for them and it's real it's a massive three points for a play to them like for Cliftonville they just have absolutely no slippage here when it comes to the title race Linfield and Lauren just keep on winning and they have the the march on them. They have the gap and Cliftonville cannot afford that to get any bigger. And going into extra time, it felt like Cliftonville were on the edge, on the cliff edge, and they'd fallen through. And you look over going, they've fallen away. But they've grabbed the branch last minute and they're hanging on and they're crawling their way back up. Uh, you know, I mean, with all the firepower that Cliftonville has, they're not able to to get that goal against Newry. They sit back and they're able to take on the pressure. Another gut punch for Newry at home when they fought their heart out for well over 90 minutes. 97th minute, Johnny Addis knocks that in and they just don't make it easy for themselves. But like, it's another one of those examples. If, if I ever think now of the Newry showgrounds, like, how many times have we seen late or big goals at the far end of that, at the away end, 
and just with that small wall, fans going boogaloo. That is going to be a huge memory for all those Cliftonville fans, no matter what happens when it comes to where it is. Yeah, it's one of those ones. And the most respect in Uri, they always do tend to give you a real good game, but you can always end up making a goal off them. I don't think it was a game they ever expected to be you know, pulled into this real tussle. It's a sucker punch for Barry Gray, to be quite honest, but it's real, real good for um, those Cliftonville fans. I'm sure they're absolutely buzzing. Red card for Keown O'Connor, pretty much on the stroke of halftime. No complaints, I think, uh, from my neutral perspective. I mean, uh, he goes in, feels like two-footed, I guess, from the view. He goes in with force, regardless of getting the ball, that, that dangerous. And he, and he leaves. He's an experienced man, you should know. And uh, he just made it difficult for, for Nuri and... You know, I, you'll, you'll think of it as a positive because we've seen so many times that, that Nuri have, have fallen or, or, or have been well beaten by a top six team like that. Unfortunately, they do fall to, to late goals, you know, 97th minute, as late as you can be, pretty much. But um, new manager, they're getting in. You know, Connor Mitchell follows Barry Gray. Uh, you know, they also added Stephen Ball who started that game as well. So they're getting reinforcements. They wanted in. Uh, they're not expected to get results against teams like this. So they were lucky in this in the end that, that Balamina didn't get any more points to, to increase that lead. But uh, you've got to take the performance rather than the result. Staying with Cliftonville, Ben Wiley, if you're looking at this Galgar-shaped hole, Chad Gordon's going to be one of the players that might fill that. They bring in Ben Wiley. So you know they're adding for this late push as well. I think they have to. I, for one, didn't really expect Cliftonville to be such a such a well-oiled machine as such this year. I thought um, maybe Magilton coming in would take a wee while to get things going, but it's absolutely smashed it out of the park so far. I'm sure Cliftonville fans are absolutely um, delighted with how that, that how that's gone for them. But listen, they know they're in a title race now. They, they're not just accepting that they're maybe the, the third the third wheel here between that Lauren and Linfield loving from the last couple of seasons. One man who they might find it tough to replace and I would be surprised just because we haven't seen something like this happen at this time of the season but if they were to lose Ronan Hill as it's been suggested a whole cavalry of of clubs in uh, the English lower leagues are interested that would be a tough one I mean his stats are incredible a lot of them are in all cups, let's just say. But he scored a whole load of goals. He's really impressive. Uh, he They did without him for a decent patch at the start of the season. He is as key to them as any player, really. been one of the best performers over the past couple of years. I think everybody in the league would love a player like him in their team. You know, gives his all every week. Just leaves everything on the park every week as well, which I think a lot of, a lot of clubs would be totally jealous of, in, in my opinion. But... Listen, if they if they lose him, it's a, it's an even it's a massive hole to fill. Losing him and Wilson in the one window could that be a disaster for Cliftonville? Who knows? Yeah, and he's a, a player who, despite whatever article I read, he was twenty two. You know, he's he's not that. It's, it's twenty five, and maybe that just shows you the change that we have in this league. Usually, you have to be completely baby faced to even have the opportunity to leave the league. That's happening less and less now. Older players, but we we would always maybe cap that at a certain age. So. The, the age that, that Ronan Hale shows that, that the stats are there. I, I don't know if, if any of these teams will come in and, and will 
fire in an offer and a significant offer because because the stats are there and the the, the money on offer for Cliftonville being successful is there. I think it would be a really key transfer if a player like, like that moved. A player who doesn't have a huge amount of history in those leagues. It's not like he was he was scoring loads in League 2, came, came to the Irish League and back over. I mean, it's a punt as there has been a lot of punts and a lot of these punts are, are working that are going from the Irish League. There's a lot of success stories right now. But again, a player at that age... They like to think they can bring them in younger and, and they'll bet in, you know. It would be a huge... And a club like Derby or Portsmouth, look, we'll just have to see. We haven't seen anything that's real concrete reporting there. But while we're, we're, we're so far into this podcast and in many other weeks, I think this could have been the lead. Probably is still the lead story here. We talk about how awful it's been for Crusaders recently. I mean, look at the form table for Corrine and it's just a load of L's. And even worse, they're now out of the top six. And after starting 2024 with this kind of new year, new me, forget about the past, we've, we're bringing in a new goalkeeper. Everybody remember Jamie McGonagall? Well, he's back. We've got Scott coming in as a wide player. And you know what? We're going to shake off all those poor results and we're going to come in. Um, and then they get thumped 6-0 by uh, Glenn Torn was almost wrapped up within seconds. I mean, as soon as that first goal went in, and it was from a very, very poor mix-up. Again, you add on all these new players, a few young boys in there as well. Mix-ups like this will probably happen. But I mean, Glentoran took them to the woodshed. 6-0. First hat-trick for a Glentoran player in forever. I'm not quite sure if the colour TV was around the last time there, which surprised me, to be honest. Uh, so fair play to Fisher for getting the hat trick, but I mean the story here is Oren Kearney. We talked weeks ago about the pressure he was under and the frustration that there has been from the Korean fans. But a team who's usually up and down and then it, it flattens out as a middle table club. I mean this is as bad as it's been for Korean in literal years. It's a tough watch. I'm sure there's plenty up at the Cool Range showgrounds are sort of wondering where does it end? That, that That's one thing that I, I can't see at the minute. You know, it's been a set top six for so long and there's been very few people probably again at the start of the season would have had anybody else within that top six. You know, Cool were always included in it so there was no there was no question about it but I mean, one win in the last 12 games is never good for anybody. Their one win has of course been against newly promoted law goal at home, which I would suggest that every team in the league would want to be winning, never mind just the top six. I wonder what the what's going through the minds of Korean fans at the minute. I don't know. I just don't know how they're continuing to watch it. It's a really, really tough one for them at the minute. What people would have said was that it's about getting a few results together, getting fit and, and going for this European playoff run. There's no guarantee they're even going to be in the European playoff. They are literally dropping that fast. And they've got some extra players that they're trying to to blood into that team. And, and that's what they'll aim to do. And, and there's so many questions about what this takeover, if, if it will be confirmed or it is going to happen. And it was touted that it had 100% went through in the summer. You know What that will mean for the future of the club is there big changes there. And... To a certain extent, like the board have come out and said they're backing Oren. That's what they've said. And in fact, they went as far, and I talked about it that week, that 
they, they pretty much called out and other people connected to the club that, that aren't at board level called out some of the personal and vitriolic comments that have been made about the manager. It's got personal. And you know what? Your club is personal to you, absolutely. But in turn, it's 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 how you express that frustration and talking to people around the club. They've said to me, it, it's some people, let's be clear, only some people have absolutely crossed the line. And it's a side who you would say need to take one step backwards to take two steps forward. I think it's clear they've already taken that step backwards and you've maybe got one or two more before they can push themselves forward. This is a longer project that could eventually speed itself up and, and get forward. But between now and the end of the season, it's trying to stick around that area because, I mean, eighth is a real reality, you know, where they're not even in seventh. Orrin Kearney's coming out and saying that pretty much like some of the players he saw might never play for Coleraine again. You know, he is that angry, he's that frustrated and it just it just didn't go well. It didn't go well from minute one when there was that confusion for the goal where, you know, between the defender and Roy Brown, the, the ball goes past and and then Glentorn just kept on going. And it's it's like we, we I've talked about Glentorn over and over and over again. They are just a confidence team. Every time they get the they get their chest out, they're feeling good about themselves, they are electric. How can they get that belief and feeling within them week in and week out? Because we don't see it, do we? Like we should say amazing, David Fisher looked like excellent on the ball, it's finishing, everything. How many times we've have we seen a result like this? You put it in the book, put it in the drawer, and then you're looking at 90 minutes the next Saturday and thinking where did that team go that was so good last week yeah well I have to say hats off to Fisher um, I think his second goal was absolutely phenomenal 100% one of the best goals we've seen in the league this season might fly under the radar because you know those goalkeeping calamities might be what's remembered in that game but I, I think it was one of the best goals I've seen this season brilliant feat uh, and an absolutely phenomenal finish. I have to say his penalty was very good as well to grab that hat-trick. You know, the Glens have had a lot of big results this season. They've had a few good performances in and amongst that, and I think Glens Warren fans are sort of bemused as the, to the fact that, you know, we can go out and we can beat Linfield 4-0. We can go out and we can beat Coleraine 6-0. You know, there's 10 goals in two games and everything's rosy. And then there's games just where they just don't look interested, they don't turn up. I believe the Anna game and the cup was a bit of a slog for them as well. I think that, you know, you, you hear all this sort of repetitive nonsense from managers, oh, you know, we only take it one game at a time. You've got to hold on to those performances and remember, hold on, we are actually quite good when we all click. Of course, with all the hubbub around Korean, we can't ignore the hubbub that uh, surrounded Glentorn and it seemed to be a lot was online rather than any official reports where to the point where I'm hearing people talk about these rumors around Glentorn and I'm thinking what you know not to be ignorant about it but genuinely like you can't just believe everything you see on Twitter and sometimes the things you see on Twitter quote-unquote everybody isn't isn't seeing and it comes to the point where Ali Poor is in town he was in town on Saturday and he even made a statement online you can go on to their social media pages, their YouTube channel, where he wanted to come out and, 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 and dismay any rumours that suggested that there were behind-the-scenes issues at, at Glentorn, particularly relating to finances. And, you know, 
I know Glentorn have been there and and got the t-shirt of uh, financial issues, but I was torn on 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 them coming out and making a statement. If if I was a fan, I guess as a fan you want answers, but then. I guess they're coming out and saying nothing to see here because I'm sure other people would be saying if there's nothing to see here why aren't the club coming out and saying it isn't it it's torn of how you react to unofficial reports isn't it as we know it's very very easy to yeah just you can just create a rumor these days on Twitter and if it looks like you follow two or three pages that are real I actually I actually can't believe I'm saying this I'm going to wash my mouth out here I agree with what the Glens have done here the Glens, you know, they've come out and just basically quashed any sort of silly rumour or nonsense that's going around. It's one of those things you hear, when you hear it over WhatsApp, you automatically, there's 80% chance that that's probably not true. Um, WhatsApp or Twitter is never really the best source to get your news from. Um, so it's a really, really strange one. Um, as you say, when someone has to come out and say, my money's fine, everything's okay. And it's one of those ones that, you know, if, if somebody does come out and say something, they get portrayed one way. If they don't say anything, it's portrayed another. For example, at the complete mess, you know, this is this is going on at Reading at the minute. That's a terrible thing that's going on with an ownership of the of a club. Fans want answers, and when fans don't get answers, it gets very, very dirty, and it gets very, very dirty very, very quickly. So I think the Glens have probably done the right thing and totally dispelling this. When you have your majority shareholder um, coming out and saying that, um, you know, it's all good in the hood sort of thing, and you have a captain coming out as well. Mark's getting very jokey about it as well cancels a lot of issues that I'm sure Glen Torn fans had and a few worries have been put put to bed and um all all is all is good in East Belfast. Well as a part of, of that address, I guess you would call it from Mr. Purr, he talked about all these exciting things that, that hopefully will be coming this month. Uh, one of them might already be the addition of Charlie Lindsay, uh, a player who was uh, among their youth ranks uh, for a while. It's amazing to talk about these players and they're like, oh, they're with the team in 2019. You're like, wow, that is a couple of years ago now, actually, when you really think about it. Uh, he's been with Rangers and, and, and Derby and uh, he's coming back for a loan. You know, we, we will come to Linfield next, but... Furthermore, there, there's talks of a player who could be signing for one of those Belfast sides is a man I've talked a lot about on this program, Benji McGee. And I suggest the idea of Crusaders going in, getting in ahead of the summer market, and maybe if it means you're paying a bit over the odds or just avoiding the chance that the value goes up. I think it's unsurprising the idea that a player from a, a regional side like Lockall is being touted when he scored so many goals and he's at the age he is, being touted to go to a full-time side like Linfield or Glentorn. Just, just to talk about him here now, I think he would be an incredible addition for either one of those sides. And I was thinking about this, about like what the value might be and of course getting into why would Lockall sell now, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. And I was thinking about comparing him because I think he's a striker and I was comparing him to Lee Bonus because he Lee Bonus is now, for all intents and purposes, he is like the dotted line, isn't he? He, he is what we hold up. He is the 100 grand player that was signed from the bottom of the league pretty much to a team who became champions. And I know Shemek Carton went for that that sum or around that sum as well, but let's let's use him as the barometer, which many people do. And I thought, does Benji McGee come close to him in, in valuation? 
I don't think he does because of the size of a club and lock on the fact that I think I think Portadown had Lee Bonus down for like I don't know a, a three thousand year contract, whatever it was, multi multi year contract kind of thing. But and I forget what year Lee Bonus was when he when he left Portadown. But as a prospect and as his ability now at twenty one, he might not end up being this as a player. I think he might be a better prospect than what Lee Bonus was. I think one thing that either of these clubs can look at and sort of think about what could happen is the fact that at the age of 21, he comes along, scores a lot of goals for you, you know, helps you along the league title or a cup or, you know, a half-decent European run to get you a few more pennies in your piggy bank sort of thing. What's what's stopping him from then being moved over to the likes of Scotland, the likes of England? Their money could be made back within two years and even more so, you know, on top of that depending on how well they do in a European competition or how well, um, how, how successful he is at the club. You know, but you can't put a price on goals that can win you games and player like of his ability. I think either the Blues or the Glens would probably be mad not to go for him because you then end up in that territory where Irish League clubs can often end up scrambling at the end of a window trying to scrape someone from the 8th division in England who's had two goals in their last 10 years sort of thing. Unfortunately, Linfield... Uh, tend to sign that player. I agree with you that he's definitely a better prospect than Bonus. I think Bonus, I'm not I'm not saying he's a bad player. I, I totally think that he's a great player and he's one of the best in the league. But I, I think that at the age and the ability and you know even his body shape and style and confidence, he just looks like a footballer. Do you know what I mean? He just looks like he he is just built for it. I think in this league I've seen a couple of players who are real, real difference makers and I would lump in players like McMenamin eventually in the, in the later end of his Arsley career in particular. Uh, Hately throughout his career was just an absolute difference maker. Gormley always has been at that top end of the pitch. And I, and I think he's shown in a side like Lockall coming up from the championship. And he didn't show, and perhaps this will all will all fall flat in their face and, you know, I don't wish this upon him, but you know, maybe this was all just a, a one-season affair. But look at it. In that game against Limfield, he is able to drag a goal out of his side against Linfield and makes it a tiny bit nervy for the Blues up there. And he's got dribbling ability. He's got that, that speed. He's got that kind of really determined direct running that Lee Bonus also had and Lee Bonus I think also signed in January you know so it's another one of those things getting to the squad we all saw the Andy Ryan thing I'm not saying if he goes into one of these teams now he's going to be their absolute number number one player but I, I, I think he'll have a long career and a bit like Bonus you're you're grabbing them for the future before anybody anybody else does as on top of that potentiality to you get him into a full-time setup and I think we saw that Lee Bonus full-time setup we saw the improvement we saw their um them maturing them sharpening off some of those those rough edges and would be a a, a brilliant player for either either one of those teams talking about that game lock all linfield i mean still looking at that linfield side of yours mark you're still relying on a lot of players who were just about sniffing the bench in august still top of the league still top you know it's going well it's going well. Uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. But like, you're you've still got Reesonet, and I know he scored goals. You've still got Josh Archer as well. As a Blues man, do you feel as though you're getting away with it, or is this the start of of long term careers for these players? Or they have they got a place in this team that have to be knocked out of their hands? I don't know. 
I don't know to be honest. I think that you know the two names that you've mentioned, um, both Alan and uh, Alander and Annette. We're not I'm not one hundred percent sure yet. We're not sure. Yes, because because it's it is a hundred percent McBrien. Like yeah. let's get this straight. It it, it always has been McBrien. Yeah. I know it looks like McBreen. It's definitely McBrien. Mm-hmm. Annette or Annette has not been no. confirmed to me, and it annoys me as Reese, well. Reese, what's your name? Just, just, we'll just call him Reese. What's your Reese name? and Josh. Rice, Rice, what's yeah, your we'll name? Rice, what's um, your name? And Josh Archer, I suppose. I don't know how we're gonna say it. No, definitely Archer. Um, you know. Oh, it's it's, it's like it's like Beaver Archer. Archer, like Belvoir. Archer, um, like 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 Belvoir. Yes, right. Um, my sat nav often does that. Um, Boucher, the Boucher Road, and the like. Anyway, back to football. Um, you know, the two of them have come in. Had a really, really hard time for the club. Um, injury wise, you know, we lose out on Chris McKee, we lose out on Chris Shields. Um, Stevie Fallon goes on his, uh, you know, unfortunate twenty game uh, injury spell across the season. One of the best players that we have um, when he's fit, but we just can't seem to keep him fit, unfortunately. And the two of them have really stepped up to the mark. To be honest, one game in particular that I remember was the Coleraine game. Um, just before Christmas, we looked really, really, you know, light on the ground to say the least. The young guys came through and. Yes, it's a poor Corey inside. I don't really, I don't really care what anybody says, um, though, because those, those young guys really showed showed um, David Healy that they have ability and that they have, um, you know, the guts and determination to plow on and get a win. It just comes to the stage where you have to look at it that maybe Alec isn't going to take the position of Chris McKee. Um, I think Chris McKee's definitely our best finisher again when he's fit. I think that we're now, you know, we're coming surely have to be coming to the end of the lifespan of Jamie Mulgrew as a midfielder. Um, almost 20 years we've had him at the club ever since I've been a wee, wee boy, you know, going to the games, he's he's been there. And I just I just don't know who you're replacing with. For me, Archer is sort of the prime replacement for him. You know, he's learning from these really, really good players, these brilliant midfielders that we have at the club um, at the minute. And he's, he's just, he's just going to have to, developed very very quickly and he has done really really well for us i think last season's loan helped him become a lot of a um, you know a stronger player are both are both those players teenagers um, archer is 20 um and Alan is 19 so might not be a teenager but definitely yeah uh, still still plenty of years left and they've added in another young player from the swifts not linfield swifts dungana swifts we talked about last week ethan mcgee slotting in the midfield i know he's a player that's been all over the place positionally that, that could be interesting if, if that's where he eventually ends up, or at least he's been penciled in to be playing in all those people that were trying to go, how do you fit Finlayson and McGee into that team? The answer is you play McGee somewhere else, potentially. So maybe they've seen something that, that, that other people haven't. I know McGee has been touted as playing in midfield for Dungannon as well, but it's another of one of these signings, which I think every fan wants. Get them young, get the better players from in the bottom of the league and let them grow. And you're, you're totally right about uh, Jamie Mulgrew. To the eye, you'll see that he doesn't have that same zip, that same agility that he may have may have had previously. And I know he was not a player known for his, uh, his uh, not uh, 100 speed, but there is a tiny bit of slowdown. But I mean, it's he is totally a player that has lost a yard in the legs, but, but gained one in his head because he, he when Linfield even tried to wing their way off him he's coming in the games late and he's dictating play and he's finding passes from deep you know that that is like he's a safety blanket for that team of yours Mark and you're unfortunately eventually and it might not be this summer or next but 
you'll be kind of dragging, kicking and screaming, waving at this little blanket when he eventually hangs up the boots. I'd say he's probably old enough to be sort of an electric blanket for the Blues. He's just been an absolute hero for us. Like, And as you say, you know, we've tried to let him go, but he just kept coming back and just kept getting better. And I know we joke about, you know, he's maybe lost a, a yard of pace. I'm not quite sure that Jamie had a yard of pace to lose. He was never a speed merchant, but it was it was definitely all in his head. He was 100, always has been 100% one of the best players tactically that I've ever um, had the pleasure of watching at the Blues. And even the likes of signing um, McGee, players like that, if they want to play for Linfield, they have to excel on the positions that they've been brought on on. And if you're told to play centre forward, you have to excel at that role. Or else, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be you know slabbered up by this eighty year old man in the front row, and um, that hasn't kicked the ball since nineteen eighty two sort of thing. You have to sort of get used to that at Windsor Park. Unfortunately, the South Stand's a very uh, unforgiving place to play your trade as a young midfielder. I would say, you know, you said this five years ago. You're like, who do we ever replace him with? We've got this young um, sort of core of the team that's coming through, and if we can hold on to those players and they can stay fit, then we're gonna just have to live without him. There's not any real core examples that they, they remind me of these players but what Linfield what any team will want to do is to almost repeat that era of the real whatever triple double era or whatever it was where you want the Garrett Galt Mulgrew all coming up at the, at the same time you know around around those players you know you, you want that generation to somewhat come together and and, and to do it like if if Annette and Archer and McGee and all come in and their core starters next season, they will have just blended into the team so seamlessly, especially if success continues. Let's talk about it, Mark. Look, I've had Mark Strange on this podcast a couple of times this season. I've had you on as well. Here we are now in mid-January. I've talked about how, you know, we talked about Cliftonville getting out of jail. I think Linfield have somewhat in, in recent times over the past month. You'll want all your big players back. What's the confidence level like at Windsor Park? Are, are you fearful of Lauren? Are you bullish about your ability to get through all these tough games? How, how confident are Linfield right now leading the pack? I think we've actually come through probably one of the toughest spells that we've had this season. When you look at it, you know, Coleraine at home, despite, you know, the woes that they're having, was never going to be an easy game. Um, won that terrible game, but got a win. Boxing Day, a win. <laughs> Lauren away, grabbing a draw is like a victory for us. So, you know, we got out of jail there, um, despite maybe, you know, not playing the very best that we have. Um, away at Crusaders on maybe the 2nd of January, I think that was. Again, difficult, difficult game. And came through it, and block goal away was really the final weapon in the artillery that... Uh, Niffle had handled us in the fixture list, but um, came out of that not unscathed by any means. Lock all were absolutely um, phenomenal against us, I thought, on Saturday. Played really, really well. Gave us a real, real tough game. Confidence-wise, we have to sort of, you know, you have to keep your feet in the ground. In this league, you know, four points isn't a gap that wins you any league at the minute with so many games to go. There's another 13 games to go. We continue winning all our games. We, we win this league, and that that's basically the bottom line. We, we can't let the foot off the gas. Because if we make one slip up, I'm sure that there'll be either a team in red from North Belfast or up the coast slightly further um, who will be right hot in our heels, ready to pounce on that chance. And, you know, we've got to play them two or three times as well, you know, between Lauren and Cliftonville. And so we can't take the foot off the gas. Let's go to Taylor's Avenue and we see a title race still there. We see a race at the bottom. And now we've got a third one to look forward to. It's the race for sixth. 
and there's a new team sitting there proudly. I thought they were going to be scrapping out at the bottom. Nah, nah, nah. They're looking at potentially flying to, I don't know, Latvia or Lithuania or even Malta next year if things go well. Steve McDonnell is the second team for Mid-Ulster to win at Taylor's Avenue in the space of just over a week. Thrilling game, really exciting match, I thought. Chances both either way, but I thought Glenavon were well worthy of their victory. 2-0, and you know what? Some of these new boys they brought in from the League of Ireland are a wee bit good. One of them for me is Duna. He has got a wand of a right foot, and he used it expertly when he set up Snotty for the first goal. Yeah, absolutely brilliant um, from Duna. I, again, where, where do they find these players? I, I don't watch the League of Ireland, but I hold my hands up to that. I don't have enough time to watch another League of Football. I feel like if I watched any more football, I wouldn't leave the house. Just really, really quality. That, that's that's what I thought. You know, I know you were there and you saw it for 90 minutes, but from the highlights, it just looked like it, it just looked like he didn't even have to think about playing that ball in. Now Snotty's got a bit lucky with the header. I think he's tried to flick it on for somebody else to hit in, but goes a goal. I'm sure he wasn't complaining. Well, he, he, they were pinging it in just beforehand, and Glenn Denning was having to to dive and, and outstretch to, to swipe the ball away. And it's funny, as soon as I saw that, I, I looked at the teams that he's played for and I messaged one of the fans of that team, one of those teams, and I was like, James Duna, why, what is going on here? He was playing with you guys. And they kind of said that, unfortunately, he's had a bit of uh, injury problems. So, I mean, if they can keep him fit, I, I genuinely think he is going to be a real key danger man in the league and a massive asset for uh, Glen Avon moving forward. Dan Clark added a bit more uh, zip up top for them. Then Gavin Hodges came on. And I mean, he is uh, just a, a real out-and-out striker. I mean, just chased after the ball. Doesn't have a huge amount of height, but he is almost like that small Perkis-style striker who happily sits on the line shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with the defender and is happy to take those one-on-one battles and will chase it down every day. I mean... Carrick usually bounce back. This is what we've seen this season. They have a poor result and they bounce back and they, they just didn't do that. You know, I could see in that game how, you know, Perkins can drag that team out of out of anything and and they've got a couple of players in there that uh, can try and create something between Maculitis and, and others. But I thought they just sat back a bit too much, weren't up for second balls. I mean, when they were hassling Glenavon early, they were getting a lot of success, but then they just weren't able to keep that up consistently. And, you know, I don't want to, to be too harsh or, or call individuals, but I do think for Joe Crow, that red card near the end of the game, I, I no doubt, I hope he looked back on that and, and regrets that. I know there was a lot of frustration, but I, I, I think it was dangerous to enact any type of physical activity with a player when you've got that wall down at Taylor's Avenue. And uh, I just think it's one of those safety things where I was disappointed to see that, unfortunately. And I'm, and I'm sure anybody that plays the game will be. But uh, overall, Carrick have great individual players. They're just not knitting it all together. And they're not knitting it all together consistently. It's a massive problem. I, th- I think Carrick have, you know, they've hopped and puffed and, you know, they've pulled results maybe from positions that, you know, they maybe shouldn't have this season a few times. But... It's it's just it's just been a difficult run for them to be quite honest. You know, 
losing the Irish Cup, I'm sure that's an absolute sickener for them, um, especially um, in the manner that it was last week against Portadown. Penalties is never an easy way to lose a football match, but it's just been really, really awkward for them this season. I think they're this sort of perennial team that are floating about mid-table. They're never, ever pushing for that seventh place. They're never, ever challenging the top six. I mean, they'll lick points off them, no problem at all. They'll take three points from a Linfield or a Glentorn whenever they can. For the last few years, it's never been a case of, my goodness, Carrick could go down here. I think, unfortunately, for Carrick fans, it's just going to be another one of those seasons where they're just that eighth, ninth, tenth place team. But now that they're out of the cup, the league is the only thing they've got to concentrate on. And we've seen them being able to get the results. They have players that can get goals and, and influence games. And they've just got the league to concentrate on. And now with Corian falling away and other teams recovering, like it's such a great recovery for Glenavon over the past couple of months with uh, McDonald at the helm and bringing in a new players. Sixth and seventh gets you into that playoff. Uh, series and it goes all the way down to Carrick and ninth where their that loss is a big it's a big flip for them now we're there now in ninth which is where Glenavon was sitting but they're still only two points off Glenavon and Corian Corian are in seventh and lock all if they get a run as we've seen they can do they're only a point behind both of them so a lot of, of extra emphasis are now going to be on all of those games for all those teams as they all match each other and you know what there's a chance Dungannon could uh, weasel their way into that pack as they're only three points behind Carrick Rangers themselves thanks in part to a uh, taste little win away at the, the Balamina showgrounds uh plenty of goals they've got lots of new uh, additions there Roddy Macquarie's side has, has, has really kicked on um, in, in recent times and you know three wins out of five it, it creates daylight between them and Balamina in particular where they can now look ahead to maybe being in the hunt for a European playoff spot and it hopefully can their point of view hopefully it means that they don't have to worry about this relegation playoff malarkey yeah um if any if you'd have told any Dungan fan at the start of the season that you were going to be sort of playing for seventh place as opposed to um, messing about in that sort of relegation scrap that they got themselves embroiled in last season i'm sure they'd have took more than your arm off for that but i have to say on balamina's set of things i think jim Irvin will have them there every night this week defending set pieces every goal was just from a set play um, for Vernon Gallon. And I have to say, fair play to Rodney Macquarie, that must be drummed into them. Um, you know, Alves puts the ball into the box and just every time they're just up like a salmon. You know, the ball falls to somebody in the box and they get a goal out of it. But fair play to Rodney Macquarie, he has turned that ship around. There's plenty of times when you talk about teams not doing well, saying that I'm the manager, all I can do is set them up. It's up to them to deliver on the pitch. See set pieces, that is definitely something a manager can set them up for success for. You know, that is something that he will have fingerprints on him and his him and his team. And uh look, it it wasn't to be for Balamina. They could have had four wins in a row in all competitions. They have recovered ever so slightly, and they'll hope that this doesn't completely kill their momentum. They'll have plenty of tougher games coming up. Uh, but uh, Nuri are thanking their lucky stars for Dungannon and it looks as though now it might just be a fight between Balamina and Nuri. Of course, any of those teams above them could drop down, but look, nine points between Balamina and Carrick, that's a 
you know, ultimately, it sounds ridiculous. Sense, there is only thirteen games left of the season. To a certain extent, they're running out of games, even at, even at this stage of the season. So, it might be a straight up battle between those two moving forward. Okay, looking ahead to the next couple of days of football, it's very likely by the time you're hearing this podcast that it is all over. But let's talk about potential permutations for the first big trophy of the season, the League Cup, where G and up Dungannon, do you fear them in the semi-final on Tuesday evening where Linfield hosts Roddy McIlroy and the Swifts? Is David Healy practising defending? He's going to have to. <laughs> After all those seven-place goals from Dungannon, it's clear to see that um, Roddy McIlroy's been very busy drumming that into them, as you've already said there, Peter, but it's a very tight call, to be quite honest. I think Dungallon gave us our biggest scare of the season, uh, certainly at Windsor Park. They were they were 3-1 up after some very, very dodgy defending, and they were lucky. Not looking forward to it. Never, ever look forward to going down to Dungallon. It is always a very difficult game. We always seem to huff and puff around there. Um, it's been a while since, well, it's been a few years since um, we've absolutely blown them away. And you know what? There's never been a game recently that... You know, Linfield have been in control the whole game off. You know, Dungannon have spells in the game where they look like, you know, they can they can maybe test Chris John's challenge um, our defenders and you never be quite sure. But despite Rodney sort of steadying the ship and uh, technically just turning the ship into a speedboat at the minute for Dungannon, um, I think the Blues should have enough to edge it. Um, I think 2-1 two, two, for the Blues. And anything is a win in the semi-final would be good for us. Whoever gets through there will be meeting a side uh, from Mid-Ulster. Despite them being two divisions apart, Portadown and Glenavon are facing off. And uh, this time, it's actually probably one of the bigger Mid-Ulster derbies in a long, long time. The chance of of going to a, a final and a big final in the League Cup. Both teams will be believing that they can do it. They, they, they can pull it off. I, I think there's no doubt that, particularly in the recent run that they're going into this, Glenalvin are the absolute favourites, especially all these little extra additions. It's at Mournview. It looks set to be an all but a sellout there as well. You'll be able to view it at home if you haven't already uh, via it being streamed. I think Niffle are doing that. So that's pretty exciting. I know a lot of people haven't watched Portadown this year, so it's hard to really tell what they'll bring to it. But you look at the Port's results in the Cup this year. like They, they beat the Crews. They beat Lockall twice, I think. You know, they've been able to take out Premiership opposition when it's a knockout format. Just ask Carrick Rangers. Are you, you're probably more scared if you're a Glenavon fan because Portadown probably have a lot less to lose. Yeah, I mean, if, if Portadown get a hammer, one half of Mid-Ulster's begging for and the other one's begging that it doesn't happen. It's no real skin off Niall Curry's nose um, and that Portadown team. You know, technically they're playing a premiership opposition to their division above them. If they get scalped, it's probably expected. Glenavon, as we have said on this absolutely wonderful run of form on paper, should be winning it. But anything can happen in a semi-final. Anything can happen in a, in a derby and anything can happen especially in the Mid-Ulster derby. Portadown have not won in Mournview Park since 2020. Bit of a long stint for them. Fascinating game. I'm, I'll probably lean for both the favourites uh, in probably the Blues and, and Glen Avon, but uh, that'll be quite fun mm. that anybody that's not going to the game is able to watch that Mid-Ulster Derby 
uh, via the Niffle online pages. And yes, I know I keep like making up fake names for the Middle Ulster Derby. Some people actually get really annoyed about it. I think I'm going to continue just doing it as an absolute joke. I think I've done the clash of Craig Avon, the Craig Avon I know, confrontation. I, I just find it really funny how annoyed some fans get about it. It's all bants. Right, this weekend, we've finally got there. Glenavon either jubilant after rubbing their Mid-Ulster Derby rivals in it at home, have another game at home on Friday, busy week for them, where, can we call them inform Glen Torrin come to town? I mean, for the past couple of years, this game has been throw your dominoes in the sky and see what falls, and I can't say this is any different. This year has been Glen Torrin's year in this one. I mean, last year it was Glen Avon's, for sure. Um, it's really just, as, as you say, it's a toss of a coin as to who, whose year it is. Um, you know, the Glens, well, they didn't beat them at all up until the European playoff where they absolutely thumped them 5 0. And one of Conor McMenamin's last acts, of course. It really is a toss of a coin. But I think the form of Glen Torrin scoring six goals last week against, albeit a very poor Colby inside, as we've already mentioned, should give them the confidence, I think, to pull through. I'm going to go nil nil draw because I, I just think they'll. St- They'll both start out slow, seeing each other out, and then that will then proceed into taking the half time, and then they're both trying to figure each other out, and then all of a sudden we're sitting there going, "Is that the eighty-second minute?" And then both teams are suddenly trying to to get some sort of result. And I just, if this is a high score goal score game, I'll be very surprised. So uh, maybe a goal either way, but I think I think this could be a bit more of a tighter affair. Can Cliftonville shake off that uh, almost scare that they had against Newry when they host Palomina? Or was that the sign of one of the potential biggest upsets of the season? What says you, Mark McWigan? That's probably a bit of a, a, a difficult game, you know, away in Newry. That's a tough, tough game. I, I think they should have no problems here against Palomina. I, I, I really cannot see Palomina. Um, getting anything out of this. Now, they did beat Cliftonville 4-1 last year. Um, last December, so that's 21. It still feels like uh, 2023. So strange. But anyway, Reds are unbeaten at home since October um, when the Blues went up there and beat them on a um, on a cold, cold evening. I think the Reds should have enough in their, in their arsenal. Um, and sure, if anything goes wrong, there's a guy called Joe Gormley sitting on the bench. So 2-0 Reds for me. Mark, I'm really not trying to be contrarian here. And I know I've made some... I've made probably one of my worst takes on this podcast, connect to Cliftonville. But I mean, if it's... Maybe this is a thumping, but I... I Go. 2-1 Balamina. Why not? I, Go I, ahead. I, I don't know why. I don't... I don't... I don't really believe it's going to happen. But can you not... Can you not feel it? It's like Balamina or the team have everybody throw away, but their low-key have had decent results recently. Cliftonville... Feel all good. Oh, thank goodness we didn't wreck it against, against uh, you know, Newry away from home. It just, just there's something of the Dungannon results last year about this. I don't really believe it, but I, I, if that happens, I'm going to, I'm going to say, well, well, I. So it's a, it's a non prediction, but like, I, I, everybody be on shock watch for that. Absolutely. And it would be probably the biggest shock of the season so far, bar maybe some of the lock-all results, maybe against Lauren. Right, Coleraine are not happy. Carrick Rangers are not happy. Can someone be happy 
come five o'clock, maybe. After seeing Cark Rangers, could this be finally the nice big warm hug homecoming for Jamie McGonagall? Maybe, could be, possibly. There's a lot of maybes about this. Lots of maybes. A lot of maybes. Um, have we got a name for the Derby? Um, like the new investment thing, sort of. Like, is that a thing or not yet? Or are we just waiting oh, for that? Oh, I know what you mean. Like the 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 all the all American know, the... rejects, maybe. Who knows? Um, <laughs> who knows? Um, I suppose Corian's Corian's London investment. Who knows where the money's coming from? But anyway, yeah. um, it's not the by the many Cash converters, Derby. Cash converters, Derby. Very good. Um, so yeah, not a hundred percent sure that Corian can actually pull this one off. I'm not sure if Corian can think they can pull it off either, but um, having McGonagall back might be all the difference. But I think their confidence is possibly the lowest that I've seen it in a very long time. Even you know they, they pulled it through the extra time um, against Cliftonville, and then one goal turned into three, sort of thing. Um, they've conceded nine in their last two. I think Perkis is going to have a say in this one. Perkis hasn't. Uh, put a big stamp on the game in a while he, so I think he will need to if there's going to be any points going to Carrick I think I, I think Carrick might just edge this one though I'm I'm going to say 2-0 Korean I think without Joe Crow they're, they're, they, they're, they're, Carrick are struggling to find themselves but away at Korean showgrounds why not play without without fear and perhaps Carrick are more dangerous without fear but I think I'm going to give Korean a little tiny bit of a bounce back there 2-0 Swift's Lauren Swifts could be buzzing after Tuesday, but we talk about this whole thing of full-time teams, etc., etc. They have the ability to train fitness. Dungannon have a hard-fought game against Balamina, then they go against Limfield. That'll be a really taxing game no matter what way it goes. I, I As much as they've been a bogey team for Lauren, I, I think Lauren will, will win out here 3-1. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Lauren have uh, already been stung by that Dungannon wasp. Uh, too many times this season for Tiernan and she's like, and I think that well, for all instance, extensive purposes, you know, Lauren, it's a must-win game for Lauren. You can't be coming out of your games with Dungannon Swifts before the split if you want to win the league and not have beaten them at all. You know, it, it's it's almost points that you're nearly looking at, oh, they're ticked off, you know. I'm sure Lauren fans are going, ah, sure, it's, it's only Dungannon. I'm sure they said that twice this season. Um, So I think they have to be very, very wary of what is a half-decent Dungannon side. And I think they'll they'll just you know they'll nearly force a win like they had to do up at Seaview uh, last Friday night. Um, I'm gonna go two one Lar. There's something about this that reminds me of that time Griffinville came and just passed it round like it was a training game. And I can see Lar do something very similar, especially after some of the little set plays that they set up against the crews on on carpet. So I think Lauren Lauren will sneak it. Hello, Linfield. Have you met Crusaders? I think you have. I think you know each other very, very well. Again, Windsor Park hasn't been as a sturdy home as they would like to for Linfield. Crusaders are angry, but they're depleted. I mean, they've been able to hold Linfield off and get a couple of draws in recent times, but this is probably the weakest Crusaders side they've played against in a couple of years, so... It's a bit like Lauren, despite better opposition that they're playing against. It's it's once again, don't blink, don't yeah. lose. Um, I must say that when the Crews came up to Windsor last year, it was a bit of a um, it was a bit of a poor game until it was all sort of sparked into life by about four passes that ended up in a Matthew Fitzpatrick goal. 
Um, you know, we had the ball on the halfway line and we just decided, right, suppose we'll score here. And uh, just, you know, had the ability, had a certain guy called Joel Cooper um, playing that day and just t- tossed it up, one, two, three, bang, into the back of the net. And I don't think the crews have that anymore. I don't think the crews have the ability, you know, to just grab a game by the scruff and say, right, we need to go on and win this here. Um, surprisingly, um, the last time that the crews actually won at Windsor Park was in the Irish Cup. Um, a certain man called Marek Cervenka scored for Linfield that day, very, very late on, only for Billy Joe Burns to score an absolute perler. Um, they haven't won at Windsor Park in the league since 2017 when a, a young man called Gavin White scored um, that day. So it's been a long, long time since uh, fifth-place Crusaders have managed to get a win up at Windsor Park. 21 points behind, and I think that's going to stretch to 24 with a 3-0 win for the Blues on Saturday. Yeah, I think it'll be... Yeah, I think it'll be 2-1, 2-1 or so, and it'll go to Linfield. Final game of the weekend, and low-key, a potential pivotal one for both teams. Legitimately, if Lockall win that game at home against Newry, they could all but secure safety. Not mathematically, but... You're going into that where they've already got 16 points between them and Newry. They make that 19 with 12 games to go after that. I mean, what have they got to worry about? And also, 30 points pretty much gets you safe anyway. And then you've got Balamina, who if the results don't go for Balamina, and a lot of you will not think that will happen, that then increases their difference between them to... That's massive. So as much as they can sit by, people will look at that as a game for Nuri where they can get a win and start this going. I mean, Lockall can can calm the whole season down and, and get a, a real big step towards one of their main aims. And, and I think they will do that. I think this is 2-1 to lock all. I don't think this is a team that's ever taken their foot off the pedal so far this season. They're just enjoying themselves way too much. And every game's a party to them. And as much as this looks like a key layup for Nuri to start things, I think lock all win. 2-1. Yeah, I can't disagree with you, to be totally honest. After watching lock all um, on, on uh, Saturday afternoon, you know, they're able to deal with Linfield coming down and, you know, not not get hammered by one of, you know, the best teams in the league as such. I think if if I was still podcasting week in, week out, you'd have been sick of me saying the fact that this is the game that lock these are games that lock all see as must win games, you know. The big six coming down the road, if you steal a point, um, if you steal three, even better. But these games are the ones where they've been really, really solid. I think they've been real disciplined in games against the teams in and around them. And they actually have a 9-1 aggregate edge over Nuri in the last four games that they've played. Now, that's across the last couple of years. So I, I cannot see anything but a lock goal win here. Um, Nuri, winless, of course, since the very early stages of October in the league. I mean, on paper, it looks like a lock goal win to me as well. I'm going to go one though. That's so, so tough for Nuri, especially after that game against against Cliftonville. But... I mean, it's just too much of a great opportunity for Lockall. Why leave it open uh, when they can they can they can make it even more assured and maybe even dream of this European playoff place? So uh, yes, as someone who is podcasting every week, uh, yes, uh, that is me talking about Lockall every week, as everyone knows. But Mark, I mean, I don't know what this will come down to, but 
we just haven't shut up. Uh, an absolute mammoth podcast this week. And uh, I thought uh, every word was well worth it. Um, I know plenty of people miss your weekly musings, but I know you're still well active online. Where can people uh, find your stuff? Yeah, just find me at Ramblings on Twitter. I am Mark McGuin. And so you want to wanna have a chat about Irish League anytime, anytime at all. Let's meet just outside by the... <laughs> I, I buy the bin sheds three o'clock mark a pleasure i hope you're keeping very very well and uh, here if there's more success for your boys in blue we'll be second side of each other between now and the end of the season i think yeah hopefully so hopefully so been a pleasure mate chat soon thank you so much all the best folks I don't think there's very much for me to add after such a big episode, so I will keep this short because if you've got all the way out of the end, you're obviously a, a keen old bunny, which means if you are following me on social media pages, why not? Get you updated information, get you connected with all the stuff that's going on here at the pod. The way to do that is via Instagram, Facebook, and or Twitter. It's kicking match on all of them. If you aren't locked in as a little subscriber follower to the podcast on apple podcasts or on spotify great time to do it while i'm nattering away and you've still got your device or something in front of you just go to our page hit the little thing hit follow hit subscribe and you get a notification every time i kick one of these out to you thank you very much for listening the whole time wrap up warm i'll see you next week as i always will cheers (laughs) 